Welcome to the Tanya Burton Mini Podcast. Her goal is to help you permanently lose weight and enjoy the process. Here's Tanya Burton. All right, here we are with Coach Donna and I, and we're going to go over two very popular questions um, that people are struggling with. So let's get started. So our first question is how to overcome a plateau because we know how frustrating and annoying it is to stall and not see any progress. So Donna, what are some things that people can do to kind of overcome that hump on the scale of not seeing any progress? Yes. Um, I think the first thing we need to do is a super honest, raw introspection of what are you really taking in? Is this really a plateau or are you just really not super good at tracking? Have you kind of let some complacency kick in? Um, I, Tanya and I have been talking about this topic quite a bit. And one of the things that I hear from my clients often is, you know, at the beginning, they're losing weight, they're super excited, and they're doing everything to the letter, everything I ask them to do. And then they start losing weight, they get a little more confidence, they kind of feel better about the whole process, and then all of a sudden, oh, the weight just stops coming off, and they get frustrated, I feel bad for them, and so the first conversation we have is, okay, let's go back to the basics again. Let's go back to where you first started. Is this really truly a plateau? Or have we kind of let some bad habits creep back in again? Um, I would say for probably 98% of my clients, that's the case, is that they've stopped tracking their food. They've stopped weighing everything. They haven't paid attention to what I call BLTs, bites, licks, and tastes. Yes, I agree. <laughs> you can really add a ton of calories into a day just by adding some condiments that you are not being mindful of. You know, a couple dollops of ketchup. Um, I just went past the refrigerator and I grabbed a spoonful of peanut butter. Um, I went past a bowl at my job and I grabbed a handful of M&Ms. Yep. It all adds up. So that's where I have my clients start first is really, truly, let's dial it in. Be really honest with yourself. I don't mm -hmm. care what you tell me because your body's going to wear whatever you're doing. <laughs> and Amen. That's so true. <laughs> and the bottom line is, and I know this sounds hateful and I don't mean it that way, but the reality is I'm your coach. Everything I say is from a point of love and respect and, and cheering you on. If you are not being honest, it's not hurting me. My weight mm -hmm. doesn't change. Mm -hmm. You know, your weight is the one that, that doesn't change. So mm -hmm. let's be just honest and let's have that open dialogue. Are you tracking or are you not? You're tracking. Are you weighing your food? How well are you weighing your food? If you are not putting things on a food scale, you're cheating yourself, mm -hmm. right? Um, the other thing I always ask is, you know, are we really hitting our macro targets? Um, oh, the, power, sure. the power comes from looking at the portion you're taking at that very minute and seeing where that falls into your day. This idea of, well, I thought it was okay until I logged it. What are you doing? I want you logging first and then mm -hmm. eating. Otherwise, all you're giving me is your grocery list. Yep. I don't want your grocery list. So <laughs> changing your portion sizes to hit those macro targets each time. This is a process. And let's be honest, Tanya, it kind of sucks. Oh, 100%. Tracking your food is not fun. Nope. 
it isn't, but I'll tell you what, when you're two sizes smaller and you're getting into your swimsuit, you're going to look back in that and go, okay, the hard work totally paid off. Yeah. And I think a lot of people think, you know, you have to do this forever. And I go, you really, you don't mm -hmm. put in the time, put in the training, be meticulous with your tracking and plug it. Everything is, I know it's monotonous. I know it's boring and it's tedious, but you know what, if you have 10 pounds to lose, you can be done with this whole process in, in two months, as little as two months. And then you're done forever. Right. And I think that's probably one of the perspectives that's helped me the most is okay, I have six more months and I'm going to lose the weight and I'll be done. So I grinded it out for six months and now look, it's been four years and I've kept it off. So I know it's tedious and it's boring, but you know, if you want to get over that plateau, get back to what you're doing in the very beginning and your weight's going to continue coming off. And I, I, you're right. I think we get kind of comfortable. I think we slack off. We start eyeballing our our portion sizes or forgetting, or we're going out to eat more, which we know is so inaccurate when we constantly eat out. Cause you can plug in, you had a sandwich from McDonald's, but you don't know how much, you know, mayo or, you know, whatever that person's putting on there, that extra slice of bacon or cheese or, you know, like it's so inaccurate. So going back to the basics of being simple, you know, simplifying your meals, making them yourself, you know, take that extra step and pack it yourself. Um, and really tracking, I would say, even your activity. Because you could have been super active in the beginning, all super motivated, and now it's maybe 5,000 steps a day, skipping workouts. And I know, you know, you and I have been doing this uh, Fitbit challenge together, you know, each other and then our, our clients. And I had an eye-opening experience this weekend. So we went on a trip away, and I always have my Fitbit on. And mm -hmm. We were outside and we were walking around um, to like different little boutiques and shops and things. And I felt like, oh my gosh, I've been on my feet for hours. I can't wait to see how many steps I've taken. I was blown away. It was only about 5,000 steps. Wow. Because we were not in a very large area. It was only a couple blocks radius. Uh -huh. And you know, you're just going from shop to shop and you're maybe just shuffling through the store you know, it's not like you're out hoofing it around a track or, you know, down your neighborhood yeah. around a, a walking trail. So, you know, what we estimate in our heads, as human beings, we are not good estimators of much of anything. No, we're not. We're not. You know, we're not good estimators of our food. And, and I've done that myself. I've experimented and, you know, taken a spoonful of peanut butter and say, oh, this is about two tablespoons. And I go to put it on the scale and it's like one and a half times what I thought it was. Right. Um, we're not great estimators of, of our activity level. And no. so even though, you know, there's an argument to be made about wearing fitness devices that they're not super accurate, you know, unless I'm in a controlled environment and I'm doing, you know, inpatient research, what I'm looking for is a general idea, nothing, you know, tracking your food, tracking your activity. It's not going to be perfect. And, and as coaches, we understand that. And mm -hmm. I hope that we convey that to our clients but it gives you some, some form of accountability for us, which I think is fantastic. Mm -hmm. But then it also kind of gives you that mindfulness of something mm -hmm. that's always right here, kind of in your brain, not to be obsessive about it, but mindful. And I think there's a big difference between obsession and mindfulness. Oh, yeah. And, and I just read this quote of, uh, you know, if it's not being measured, it can't be managed. So if you're not really ma measuring yeah. your food or your activity or your water or your sleep, you can't manage it. And it's all, all this, you know, I hit a plateau, I'm frustrated. But if you have a come to Jesus moment and you're like, 
you know, how, how consistent have I been the last week or two? 99% of my clients are like, well, you know, I haven't tracked this and I've been kind of lazy, not moving around that much. And I'm like, okay, well, we got to change something. You can't expect to keep doing and having the same daily habits and continue to make progress. It's, it's not going to happen. You're going to continue being frustrated. So you've got to wake up, you know, go back to tracking. Maybe it's, Hey, uh, you might have to reduce some stuff, reduce some type of macro or readjust it or your calories and the, or have you move more. Like it's really that simple, but it's a matter of, oops. There she is. <laughs> there I am. It's just a matter of changing something. And number one, it's always accuracy and then changing something. Cause I'm not going to change something if you haven't been consistent for two or three weeks. Because then we have no idea, right? We're stabbing in the dark, essentially. If, yep. if, if logs aren't accurate and I change something, what good does that do anybody? If you're not hitting them to begin with, me changing them isn't going to make you hit them any easier, right? It's got to nope. be that self-discipline. So let's say somebody's hit a plateau. What would be their first step of action? Um, I think going back and looking at um, your, well, first of all, you're tracking um, your activity level, but then also things like sleep. Sleep is super important for weight loss. You know, if you're only getting four and a half, five hours of sleep a night, um, your different hormone levels change that can really impede weight loss as well. So how much sleep are you getting? What is your water intake? Mm -hmm. uh, I always tell my clients, I think there's so many benefits to drinking water. Um, first of all, I think every cell in your body functions better when it's hydrated. You feel better when you're hydrated. I tend to get headachy and kind of achy. My joints ache. Um, the other really funny thing I noticed is my contacts get dry. Wow. And I'm constantly using drops. So when I have to start using eye drops, I'm like, oh, I'm dry. I haven't had anything to drink. So I need mm -hmm. to be, so your body will tell you. Right. Um, I think also, you know, go back and look at your protein intake. Protein mm -hmm. is satisfying. And it's if, if you concentrate on one good protein food at each meal, that's going to help you feel fuller longer. And yep. so those, I think, are, are some things to look at. Also, what is... What are you doing for activity? You know, do you need to change it up a little bit? Um, maybe if you're doing strictly cardio, you need to add some weightlifting into your routine. If you're strictly weightlifting, maybe you need to add some cardio to your routine to kind of mix it up a bit. And I think not only is that good for some muscle confusion, but I think also mentally, mm -hmm. you know, you, you don't want to do the same thing day in and day out. You want to kind of mix it up a little bit. I think novelty yeah. is, is good. I agree a hundred percent. And in, no, it could be, you've kind of gotten complacent at the gym doing the same routine, like you said. So it could be, Hey, increase your weights. Like you're stronger than what you think. I literally worked out with somebody at the gym on Saturday. She's like, Hey, Tony, could I join you in your work? And I go, absolutely. So we start working out together and I see her picking up 15s and I go, you are so much stronger. I go, you won't grab those twenties. And she goes, do you think I could actually do them? I go, absolutely. So she grabs the 20 and busts out, you know, a full set of them. And I go, see, like we don't, we don't, you know, compliment ourselves of how strong we could be. So increasing your weights or even in uh, intensity, that's great. You're walking for 30 minutes, but if you're only walking one mile in 30 minutes, your body will get used to that after a few weeks. So maybe push yourself to walk two miles in 30 minutes or add on an extra 15 minutes to so walk for 45 minutes instead. Something as simple as that can really, really help out uh, your body or do some interval training, you know, go walk, really fast for one minute and then slow down for 30 seconds and then walk fast that helps out so much so i that's something that i suggest poles have you ever heard of poles no okay so if you're walking let's say you're walking down your street for example 
go light pole to light pole. So you start one light pole, you speed walk to the next light pole, and then you That's take, right. you could even do a slow jog if you wanted to and, and get your interval training that way. I love that. Yeah. That's awesome. Super easy Absolutely. to track up. Also train, changing your terrain. Oh yeah. You've got some, some walking trails nearby that have hills involved. You know, that'll get your heart rate up there a little quicker rather than walking on a flat terrain. So absolutely. So what I would say, if anyone is struggling with a plateau, one, get back to being very, very, very meticulous with your tracking, making sure you're hitting your goals and not going over, uh, making sure your day's filled up with water and protein and good amount of sleep, and then maybe changing your routine. Your, your gym routine or even activity. If you continue walking 10,000 steps a day, it's time to bump that up. Go to 12,000, go to 14,000. It's really an extra maybe seven to 10 minutes of walking a day. That's it. Like anybody can do that. So that's what I would say if, any, if anyone's struggling with that plateau. There is hope. You're not stuck forever. You just got to change something in your routine. Exactly. I love that. And so our next question is, um, you know, what do we do when our schedule is like something happens, like a family emergency, somebody gets sick or you get sick, something comes out of the blue that you weren't anticipating. What would you do to help refocus and get back on track? So um, I was telling you, I had an interesting story about this. So um, my dad passed away a year and a half ago from pancreatic mm -hmm. cancer and it completely came out of the blue. Mm -hmm. And um, he was diagnosed and passed away two and a half weeks after he was diagnosed. Oh my goodness. So it was a very stressful, from the time he realized he was, or the time he admitted he was sick, till he passed away was about three and a half weeks. So every morning I was waking up to look at my phone. Okay, what are the issues I have to deal with today? Um, mm -hmm. You know, fortunately, uh, my husband's a physician and um, I had great support there as far as, okay, this is what's going on. This is the questions you need to ask, all of that. So I started my day kind of like, <gasps> you know, <laughs> you know so it was just stress nonstop from the time I woke up to the time I went to bed at night. So I found myself in the time of stress. What do we do? We eat when we're stressed, right? So I was in the hospital and we had just received some really scary news. They thought he had cancer, which obviously, yes, that's what it ended up being. So what do I do? I'm trying to keep my mom, I'm trying to be the rock, right? Cause I'm the, the contact for my family. So I'm trying to keep my mom steady, my brother steady, my family. So I've got to deal with this stress. So where, what's my outlet? My outlet was to go to the gift store and I bought Rolos and I bought M&Ms and Reese's peanut butter cups and just started eating them throughout mm -hmm. the day. Finally, you have like one, like you said, one of those come to Jesus meetings and you're mm -hmm. like, what are you doing? This is not, I'm a coach. I talk to clients about this every single day. What am I doing? Just because I'm a coach does not mean I'm infallible. And it means I have the same stresses and, and same temptations, right? So I really stopped myself and I realized how easily you can get into that pattern of, I'm just going to eat. I'm going to eat my sorrows. First of all, it's making me feel sick because I oh, don't yeah. like that. Mm -hmm. So the minute I started to, my stomach's kind of feeling sick. I'm, you know, my stomach's getting gurgly. This is not what I normally eat. I gave away what I didn't eat, gave it to the nurses. <laughs> but anyway, um, but realizing, okay, you cannot fall into that pattern. You know, the food, A, is not going to make you feel better. The stress is still going to be there once you've finished eating that food. And now you're going to feel a compounding stress 
because you just did something that's totally against all of your goals, right? Right. So it's just even more weight on your shoulders. So I thought, okay, what can I do? I, I'm at the hospital all day long, so I'm not able to get my workouts in like I normally would during the day. So I realized, okay, I have to find some way to deal with this stress while I'm in the hospital. Um, I made it a mission to never take the elevator. Oh, good. I parked my car far away during the day at night. Obviously, I was trying to be safe and park it closer, but during the day so I could walk. Um, In between, like when the nurses would come in and they needed to do some stuff, I would just make it my policy right then and there that um, I would go down the stairs and I would walk around the grounds of the hospital because it was a large campus. I would walk around there um, and then meals. So this was the big challenge is how do you eat at at a hospital cafeteria? It was hard. A lot of things were fried. A lot of things were breaded, um, but they had a delicious salad bar. So I thought, okay, my body's going to function better if I get adequate protein and adequate fiber and water. So I always had something to drink. I always had a water bottle with me up in his room and I would make a conscious effort because they wanted him to drink as well. Mm -hmm. So I would say, see, look, I've got my bottle, dad, you know, we're going to do this together. Mm -hmm. Um, But then also making sure that I started my salad with my proteins. Mm -hmm. I had my good proteins, um, ate my salad dressing on the side, and I literally ate salads every day for lunch. That's amazing. So but, how, long did it, how long did it take you, sorry? How long did it take you to kind of have that moment of like, what am I doing? I would say a good three or four days. Wow, okay. Yeah, because initially you're, you're just so reeling and that, that news just takes your breath away, right? Because it's family emergency. Oh my God, what do I do? You know, where am I? What do I have to take? And then that's when it really sunk in that in order for me to be strong through this whole thing and not fall apart, I had mm-hmm. to take care of myself. Right. If I didn't take care of myself, I was going to fall apart and crumble and I could not do that. Right, right. Oh, 100%, 100%. You know, even though I wanted to stay at night, um, my husband made me come home, which was good. Um, That way I got some good sleep. I was not going to sleep well in the hospital. And if anything happened, the nurses were instructed to call me. And that was one of the best things I did was allow myself that time to take care of myself, go home, get some sleep. Um, take a breath. I could see my puppies and just kind of get away from that for a few minutes. Right, right. So, you know, that would be my best recommendation is making sure you're trying to get some form of activity, um, making sure you're eating well. Um, very often I would bring a protein bar to the hospital that I could have in the afternoon as a snack. Um, you moved. Yeah, I did. Oh, <laughs> So my battery's dying. I have to come in and get the charger. Oh no. So, um, so that's my best recommendation is so making sure you're trying to get some self-care, um, through, you know, some form of exercise. Was I going to get my normal exercise routine in? No, but I was walking. I was getting away from the situation for a time to kind of get myself recharged, breathe a little bit, um, eating well, bringing stuff back to the hospital with me, packing some lunches, um, during that time, we also had groceries delivered to the house because oh, wow. I knew I was not going to be able to go to the grocery store. Um, so a lot of times when I was in my dad's room, I wanted to physically be there. He was sleeping. Um, so I could get online and order groceries, you know, depending how big, I know you live in a smaller town. I don't know if your grocery stores do that. Mm-hmm. Larger cities like we live in Houston, they will actually deliver the groceries to your doorstep. Wow. That was huge. It cost me a little bit more but it was so worth it that it was one stress I didn't have. 
for sure. Yeah. So I could get that time. Um, so that, that's my best recommendation, activity, self-care, making sure somehow you can fill your cup. Um, and then, you know, if you can leave the situation for a few minutes, just to kind of breathe and recharge, that was huge. Absolutely. That's, that's amazing. And, um, I would add one thing, cause this is something that's helped me personally mm-hmm. is if something comes up that I didn't expect, I always give myself a time limit of how long I will like not focus on me. And usually it's one day, like you have one day, you know, if you don't get activity, that's fine. If you want to eat M&Ms and Reese's, whatever, but tomorrow you get back on track. So I always give myself a limit of when I'm not like actually taking care of myself, but it's usually within 24 hours. I never let myself, okay, next Monday, you know, I won't let myself go six, seven days without caring about myself or eating healthy or getting an activity. Um, just because it helps me refocus. So I think that's one thing is set yourself a time of now, because before you, like, you're lucky you caught it within three or four days, but so many of us will go a month, two months, because even though the situation already happened, we've gotten out of the routine and now it's two, three months later of not having a routine. Right. Whereas if you nipped it in the butt right away saying, Hey, just whatever happens today, it's fine. But tomorrow I'm going to wake up. I'm going to walk for 30 minutes. I'm going to drink my water. And, and there were days I didn't want to, you know, yeah. I didn't feel like it. There were days I didn't even want to get out of bed, especially after he passed away, you know, you're mourning and that's just, and there, there's two very different ways of looking at situations. So, um, like you and I talked, um, my kids are all leaving the nest. I'm going to be an empty nester in two weeks. Um, I had three kids in four years. We we're so used to activity and kids and people over and things going on. And I've come to love that. I love that lifestyle. You know, we always have people around. So the quiet to me is going to be very unnerving. Um, I walked past my son's room as we were moving him out and his TV was off the wall. I could see, you know, things very empty in his room. And for just a split second, I got just this pit in my stomach. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, one situation can be viewed two totally different ways. I could go down this pit of despair where I could feel sorry for myself. Oh, I'm an empty nester. Life sucks. This is horrible, Mm -hmm. miserable. That is not going to serve me for a second. Right. I don't like me there. Nobody else likes me there. It's not doing me any good. Or I can look at the situation and be super excited and remember what that was like when I was that age Mm -hmm. and how excited and just this new, this new energy that I had because I was going to be on my own and start my own family and get married and have my own life. I could look at it that way for him and remember how, what, how exciting that was and be happy for him. And as a parent, that's how I've raised my kids, right? To fly. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. So it really made me totally realize that you can take one situation and view it in two totally polar opposite ways. And guess what? The coolest thing ever I had 100% control of how I viewed that situation. That's so awesome. It was up to me. It was totally up to me. And that's with any situation we have that that comes along, right? For sure. We choose how we respond to that situation. I can go down the pit of despair Mm -hmm. or I can learn to to deal with it and focus and and learn a new normal and learn new things that are going to serve me instead of being down this pit of despair. Mm Mm-hmm. I love that. That's so powerful. So powerful. Yeah. Because you could be happy and celebrate with your kid and go on, you know, enjoying the new opportunities for for your son. 
or you can get depressed, start eating, barely moving because you're sad that you're an empty nester. Yeah. Total control. And that's, that's the beauty of it. I think it's just, you know, when I've been able to have that epiphany 10, 15, 20 years ago, never, never, but just through, you know, learning and constantly, uh, you know, reading personal development and studying and trying to be better. What can I do to be better? And, you know, how can I change things that I want to change? You know, you start to learn those things. Is it easy? No, it's not. And it takes a conscious effort um, because every once in a while you, you hear those little voices come back to you that you want to go down that rabbit hole. Again, I just tell myself, okay, I'm going to allow myself maybe a couple of hours, a day, whatever, to just kind of have my pity party. And then I need to be done with it. It doesn't mm -hmm. serve any purpose to have a pity party. Exactly. And that's why like before I would have had, I would have pity party for like six months to a year. <laughs> like it was ridiculous. And now Absolutely. I always give myself like, you know what, that's fine. You're human. You have emotions, you know, things come up, but I, I just tell myself, you got 24 hours, yep. you know? If you want to lay in bed, if you just want to eat whatever, that's fine. But your butt better be back in gear because you're going to feel better once you start moving more and getting back to your routine. Um, so I love that you, that you did mention that. Those are both two good examples that you just said. Yeah. So it can be done. You just have to put your mind to it. For sure. And you know what? Now that we probably mentioned this, now that something comes up, you know, people might be a little bit more aware and have a plan, you know, parking further away getting in your water, walking around, just not using the elevator, getting a salad, because salads are everywhere, you know, just being mindful of, hey, let, let me make my plate colorful and <laughs> fill up on the good stuff because I'll feel good because if I keep eating candy, I'm going to feel like crap within well, a short you time. Like crap, you can't, you're not, a, you're not your best self, right? No, you're not, no. Put everything in your favor to be able to handle that stress because it's going to come and it's going to smack you straight in the face and it's mm -hmm. not going to be easy. You know, emergencies are never fun. They don't call them emergencies because they're planned, right? Right. So, you know, when you are your best self and you're taking care of yourself, that's not selfish. That's I'm making myself the best I can. So I'm better able to help others and I'm better able to be there for everyone I need to be there for. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of different reasons, you know, to make sure you get that self-care in. For sure. Absolutely. Or if, you know, if somebody, you know, if you got sick with the flu or, I don't know, like food poisoning or something like that. That's totally normal to not eat normally or move Absolutely. as much. But, you know, again, get back on track as soon as possible. Don't wait another day or another week to get back to your routine. The sooner you get going, the better you're going to feel um, and your progress will be better. I always tell people, like, if you just focus for a whole week, by next week, you could have already hit a new low. Yep. But so many of us just continue on with, kind of, you know, like you said, a pity party, you're not serving yourself. <laughs> so. And the time's going to pass regardless. Right. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So might as well put it to good use. So yeah. I, awesome. Well, I think this, these were great today. I really enjoyed this, Tanya. Thank you so much for inviting me to do this. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I hope a lot of people got some value from those two questions. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thanks for joining me and thanks for your time. Um, I know I appreciate it. I know other people will well too, but I will, we'll keep you, well, hopefully you'll be on our call next week as well. Just keep seeing your beautiful face. Oh, we would love this. We're quite the team. Yes, we are. <laughs> well, thanks. Thanks, Don. I appreciate it. It's it awesome talking to you. All right. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Bye.